Thank you for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We are currently in the series, So Now What? We hope it's a blessing to you. Well, today is not like a normal talk time in that I generally, on any given Sunday, give you a big idea, a paragraph of scripture, and then provide takeaways that help us all survive another seven days. That's kind of our teaching formula here at Valley Point. We go big idea, and this sets the parameter for the day and gives us some boundaries and what we're going to discuss And then we look at a paragraph of scripture and we look at words and context and history, all of that good stuff. And then flowing out of the paragraph are takeaways or application points. And that's generally what we do every single week. I'm going to share those things today, but they're going to be tucked into the structure of some FAQs, some frequently asked questions as we consider, so now what? As a church, we're under construction. What happens next? Does that make sense? Okay, if you're here for the very first time, welcome to Valley Point. I'm thankful that you're here, and I hope this is a memorable day for you. I want you to know that as a church, this is a very thrilling time for us because we're moving into a new home that's not really that far away for us, and we're going to be discussing some of these things today. So thank you for being here. I think you've chosen a great Sunday. You'll get a picture of what's happening here at Valley Point. I do want to warn you that I'm going to share just a ton of stats and facts and information, and some of you, when you hear that, you get really excited because you kind of geek out about facts and stats, and you've got your pen ready, and you're going to write a bunch of stuff down. And I would encourage you to do that, and I hope you have fun with all of this information. Some of you are like, if I knew it was going to be facts and stats, I've already lost an hour of sleep, I would have just stayed home and slept in a little bit longer. Well, wherever you are on that spectrum, I'm glad that you're here, and I would encourage you to stick with me, let's learn together, and again, I think this is going to be meaningful for you. I also want to let you know that I'm going to be sharing a very significant financial update. Here at Valley Point, we talk about money. And the reason we talk about money is because God is very generous. God is extremely generous, and he expects those who follow him to be generous with everything that they have, including their money. Generosity is actually one of our core values here. It's one of our pillars and so many of you have been very generous and that has enabled this project to keep moving forward and so from my heart to yours I want to say thank you for following God that way so that's where we're headed now before we get into all of the facts and the stats and the financial information I do want to give you a big idea and then I'm going to read a story to you from Luke chapter 1 that's not going to make any sense at all All right, how's that for a setup? Does that sound good? Okay, here's our big idea, and that is God works in interesting ways and with unique timing. That's just what God does. He works in interesting ways and with unique timing. 
We see this in the past as we dive into scripture and discover how God works with this unique timing and in very interesting ways. He's done that in the past. He's doing that today. And I would present to you that he's actually doing that in and through Valley Point Church. And get this, people are noticing. People are noticing. So we're going to think about this big idea. God works in interesting ways and with unique timing. He's done that in the past. He's doing that today. He's doing that through Valley Point Church. And again, people are noticing. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Luke chapter 1. You can also scan the QR code in your program, and that'll bring up all of our notes and all of our scripture for today. These words will also appear on the screen in just a moment. Luke is one of the gospels that shares the life and the story of Jesus. But today we're not going to be talking about Christ. We're going to actually look at someone who came and was born before him. His name is John the Baptist, and we're going to look into his birth, which is very, very unique. And again, at some point, I'm going to tie this all into our building information and financial updates. So again, please stick with me because I'm going to work hard to make sense of this. All right. Luke chapter one, I'm going to begin reading with verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. This was part of their culture and custom. And they wanted to name this baby Zachariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, 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 don't don't do that. Not Zachariah. His name is to be John. What? They exclaimed. There is no one in all your family by that name. So here's what they did. They used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. Now let's pause there for a few moments and see if we can make a little sense of this because there's a part of the story that I didn't share with you yet. We've got Zachariah, the father of the child, and we have Elizabeth, the mom. Elizabeth and Zechariah have been married for some time and one of their greatest desires in life, and you can read all of this in Luke chapter 1, is to have a child. But it wasn't happening for them. It just wasn't a reality. And soon they were past childbearing years. And so they kept crying out to God and kept asking God to give them a child and they kept waiting. And guess what? Eventually, God came through for them. Well, when God showed up to present to them this whole concept that, yeah, you actually are going to have a baby, Zachariah did not believe. He had a lack of faith. And God said, oh, you don't think I can pull this off? You don't think I can do this? That's fine. You're not going to be able to speak for the rest of your wife's pregnancy. And so he wasn't able to talk. And so that's why they're gesturing to the father. What do you want to name this son? Because he wasn't able to speak. Now, I know some of you moms are thinking it would have been great if God did that for my husband during the pregnancy. Kindness. Kindness, okay? Verse 63. So, Zechariah, he motioned for a writing tablet. And to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. That's his name. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. 
Now, I want you to notice what happens here. And here's where we're going to tie this in to what we have been walking through here at Valley Point Church. Some very unique circumstances there. Waiting, patience, prayer, crying out to God. God came through. And verse 65 tells us, awe fell upon the whole neighborhood. And the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events. And they asked, what will this child turn out to be? Like, this is a special baby. And then there's this commentary here in verse 66. For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. Now, let's just sidebar here for a moment because this is absolutely fascinating to me. And we'll get back to John chapter 1 and the story and what all of this means for our building and our financial update. But did you notice the phrase, the hand of the Lord? You see that phrase in the verse? Nod your head a little bit so I know that you're still with me. All right, this is a great phrase. And so I want to camp on it for just a few moments. This is actually a figure of speech. And whenever you come across figurative language in Scripture, you need to mark it, you need to identify it, and then dig underneath so that we can begin to understand what is the figure of speech trying to communicate to us. So the hand of God was upon this family. This is actually a figure of speech called anthropomorphism. Yay! Isn't that great? Aren't you glad you gave up an hour of sleep to hear about anthropomorphisms? Right? So say this word with me, will you? Anthropomorphism. One more time. Anthropomorphism. Now, it's a figure of speech. And that's what we find here in Luke chapter 1. Here's what it is. It's ascribing a human characteristic to God. And often we'll find this throughout Scripture because... God is difficult to understand, and so authors will use figures of speech often to help us get who God is. And so we see in Luke chapter 1, the hand of God. Again, a human characteristic ascribed to God. Let me read a few other verses, and I think this will make sense for all of us. 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. Here we find another anthropomorphism. For the eyes of the Lord... There it is. That's a human characteristic ascribed to God. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, it says, When the cool of evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife, speaking of Adam and Eve, heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they heard God walking about, which would indicate that God has... Not a trick question. He has feet. He has legs. Yes. So we have the eyes of God. God has feet. God has legs. In Luke chapter 1, verse 66, we see the hand of God. And the neighborhood notice, probably even those who didn't care about God at all. Boy, something unique is happening with that family that they, past childbearing years, were able to produce a child. The hand of God is upon them. Now, does God have eyes? Does God have legs and feet? Does he have hands? No. 
God is a spirit. He doesn't have those things. So this is a figure of speech that, again, is given to us that makes God understandable to us by associating a human characteristic to him. So we kind of get it. All right. The eyes of God, they're wandering and they're looking. God walks. That makes us understand him. And the hand or the hands of God are present. Again, this helps us understand God. Now, what in the world are we doing talking about anthropomorphisms on a day where I'm giving building updates and financial information? That really doesn't make any sense at all. Have I lost my mind? Well, that's possible, all right? That's possible. Just stick with me for a moment, all right? This, what we find in Luke chapter 1, the birth of John the Baptist does not happen if there are not some very unique circumstances surrounding this event. There has to be some really unique timing and circumstances in order for people to recognize that the hand of God is here and awe falls upon the neighborhood. So what is unique about this? Well, I shared with you a little bit. Elizabeth and Zachariah couldn't have a child. They were past childbearing years. They prayed and waited and prayed some more and waited. These are righteous and godly people. They're good, good people. Now, Zachariah has this little faith burp for a few moments, but he gets his speech back and notice what he immediately does. He gives honor to God. He praises God. So these are righteous They are good people. They can't have a child. They're praying and waiting, and eventually God gives them a child. God answers their prayers, and the result is that people recognized what God was doing. It wasn't so much about Elizabeth and Zechariah. They recognized that God was up to something. This story involved a lot of waiting. Who loves to wait for something that they really want? Nobody's going to raise their hand because we don't like waiting for things that we want. But I want you to hear this. So listen for just a minute. All eyes up here. Perhaps the waiting, though unwanted, is the best part of the story because it builds awe. Right? Perhaps the waiting, though unwanted, is the very best part of the story because it builds awe in the neighborhood. Now, all of that, Luke chapter 1, Zechariah, Elizabeth, the birth of John, anthropomorphisms, the hands of God, the eyes of God, the feet, the legs of God, all of that to say this, okay? So that's a setup to where we're going into our updates. All of that to say this, my greatest desire, and I think you're going to agree with this because I've had this conversation with so many of you. My greatest desire, our greatest desire is not just to have a building, okay? The building's going to be great, but it's just a building. That's really all it is. And we're going to have fun there and we're going to enjoy that. And it's time for us to have that. I'm going to give you some stats about how long we've been here, and it's pretty shocking, actually. So it's time for us to have that, but ultimately, it's just a building. I believe our desire is not just to have a building. 
our desire, my desire, is that people would recognize that the hand of God is on us and in this place. And when that happens, when that happens, I think there's awe in the neighborhood and people notice. People notice. And I see these things happening and I couldn't be more excited to say that I believe with everything inside of me that the hand of God is with us. And that there's awe in the neighborhood. So think about this. I I was doing some research recently, and I read that anywhere from 4,000 to 7,000 churches shut their doors every year. It's a lot of churches. Uh, They're just not able to keep going for a variety of different reasons. And here we sit, and that's not our story. Uh, We're not shutting our doors. As a matter of fact, we're expanding and we're growing, and we need to know and to understand that that is not a small thing, okay? What we're walking through, expanding and building, it just does not happen that much. This is not a small thing. And so I want to present to you that I believe the hand of God is upon us, and we can't forget about that. I believe Todd said it last week, and I want to echo his thoughts that this building is just the start. It's not the finish, it's just the start. And ultimately, we want more than a building. We want to see the hand of God moving through us and using us to point people to real relationships and real significance. So with all of that, all right, Luke chapter 1, figures of speech, Zechariah, Elizabeth, John, the hand of God. Let's remember that he is upon us. I now want to present to you just a ton of questions. But I want us to remember as we walk through this, the hand of God, the hand of God, he's here and he is with us enabling all of this to be a reality. None of us are this smart or that good, okay? We're just not. It takes the hand of God to do something we never could have accomplished on our own and we're seeing that. So let me walk you through just a ton of questions now, all right? So get your pens and pencils, your writing utensils ready. Again, those of you who love stats... After first hour, somebody came to me and said, this is like my favorite day ever. I'm like, really? It just seems like throwing out square footage numbers. And they're like, oh, I love numbers. And so they're writing everything down. So again, some of you are going to love this. And we'll wake up the rest of you when I give takeaways in just a moment. All right? (laughs) Sound fair? All right. So how long have we been meeting at the Garnet Valley Middle School? Well, this Easter will mark the 12th year that we have met here as a church. We started in 2005. How many of you have only known Valley Point Church since being here in the middle school? That's your only experience. Yeah, a good majority of us. And I have my hand up too. I came here in 2010 and we were already in the school. So we've been here for 12 years. I will tell you with everybody that I talk to on the outside, they're astonished that for 12 years we have been able to maintain setting up and tearing down and doing that week after week. And it was like 17 degrees this morning when that team rolled in at 5.30 to unload carts. And we're going to have a team that sticks around afterwards and tears everything down. For 12 years we've been doing that. That shocks people. Most churches don't survive that long. 
we have not only survived that long, we have thrived. And that's provided a tremendous amount of opportunity for people to engage and to serve. Some of you are smiling and laughing right now as we talk about 12 years because you're the one showing up early and you understand the grind of 12 years. We've been here for a long time. You know, when we think about our story, the story of Valley Point Church, doesn't it involve a lot of waiting? I can tell you when the group of believers moved here in 2005, they really didn't anticipate we'd be here for 12 years. They never thought that. And so our story has involved a lot of waiting. But when you go back to Luke chapter 1 and you think about Elizabeth and Zachariah and what happens in the neighborhood there and how people were recognizing and observing and seeing the hand of God, the waiting, though unwanted, isn't this the best part of the story? Because it's building awe. It's building awe. That's what's happening. All right, what will the building look like when completed? Well, you can see some different pictures on the screen of our completed building. I describe it this way. We have designed a building that is more like a community center than a religious building. That's what it looks like, and you can probably see that. That fits our DNA as a church and our desire to be a part of the communities that we serve. So that's what our future building is going to look like. It's two stories. And so there's an upper floor and a lower floor, and I'll describe some of that now by asking the question, how big will the building be? I get asked this quite a bit. Well, the building will be a total of 18,939 square feet, both levels. It's basically 110 by 80 feet. It's a box, a box tucked into the hill. A beautiful box tucked into the hill. The main stair tower, you probably noticed the tower. That's kind of the feature on the building. It's 55 feet tall from the lower level slab on grade. I have no idea what that means. (laughs) I don't. It just sounds great, doesn't it? It's a tower. It's going to be tall. The main auditorium and lobby ceiling heights range from 20 to 26 feet, while the lower level is up to 14 feet in some areas. So if you drive by the Bethel Road campus, you'll notice that there's a big hole. That hill is basically gone, and we had to dig that out deep because we want that lower level to have good height on the ceiling as well as the upper level. So again, if you haven't driven by, please do that. It's really beginning to take shape where you see that building pad. So that's how big the building will be. How many people will the auditorium seat? Well, the auditorium has 4,164 square feet of seating space plus a stage that is 651 square feet. It will seat 438 people if every seat were filled. Now, let me try to give you perspective on that. This middle section right here is 376 seats. So if this whole middle section were in our new building, and if we took half, just half, of one of these sides... That would equal our seating capacity. So all of you on the sides today? (laughs) Oh, yeah. We're going to get cozy in that new space, all right? So enjoy that space over there, 438 seats. What about children's space? 
Well, the children's space will occupy the entire lower level of the building. They're going to have great space, 9,471 square feet. They're going to have a lobby with a check-in area just for them. They're going to have a 180-seat K through 5th grade auditorium. So if you check in kids in the gym today, that's where they hang out. They're going to have their own little theater, which is going to be great. There's going to be a volunteer room. There's going to be five birth through pre-K rooms with adjoining bathrooms. Each room is approximately 20 by 30 feet. There'll be a family restroom. There will also be a baby changing area in each restroom on both levels. So that's what those two levels will look like. Now, I think it's important for you to know that our new home will be smaller than what we use here at the middle school in terms of square footage and seating capacity. All right, that's important for you to know. There's going to be less space. We're building what we can afford and believe that we'll be able to adequately function within that in this first phase. We've done a lot of research on this and a lot of studying A lot of time has been put into this. We believe we're going to be able to adequately function with less square footage than what we use here. And here's the good news. We can add additional phases to expand, and we'll look at that when we have the opportunity to do so. What about parking? Well, there will be 188 parking spaces. Currently, the Bethel Road campus has 75 parking spaces, and so we're going to add 113 to that for a total of 188. To give you some perspective on that, there are 180 parking spaces out in front of the middle school. So that's probably where you park today. We generally use anywhere from 10 to 20 spots on the side as well for some of our volunteers. So we use about 200 parking spaces on any given Sunday morning. We'll have 188 on that campus, so our parking will be very comparable. That's going to be great for us It's also going to be great for the community. And this is probably one of the things that excites me most about the building. Again, the building is just the building. I'm almost more excited about the parking lot because if you haven't been to our campus, we border the Garnet Valley High School. And there are all kinds of fields that border our property. And so our parking gets used almost seven days a week. It's under construction right now, so it doesn't have a tremendous amount of use. But when it will be open again and when it's available, our parking lot gets used all of the time for baseball, football, lacrosse, soccer games. This expanded parking benefits the community, and that's the thing I'm probably most excited about. I think that's great. That's our parking. Now, what's currently happening with construction? Well, our real home construction continues to progress on schedule. That's wonderful news, right? Yes, Eric, that's wonderful news. I'm answering my own questions up here now. It's great news. The building pad prep and layout is complete and now ready for footing excavation. On-site rebar fabrication has begun as column footing mats and pier cages are taking shape. All of this in preparation for the concrete footings to be poured in the coming weeks most likely on the other side of the nor'easter. <laughs> That's the building, all right? That's the building. Now, let's kind of move into the financial component of this. So what is the cost of the project? 
Well, the cost of our project now sits at $4.9 million. I want to unpack that a bit for you because that is higher than when we started in 2014. So you can see on the screen, here are the different things that play into that $4.9 million. Here's the breakdown. The building itself is $3 million. Site work and infrastructure, it takes a tremendous amount of work to reshape a hill. That's basically what we've done there to get water and sewer to make it buildable. Our site work and infrastructure is $1.5 million. Design work is 223000 Furnishings, fixtures, and equipment is at 100000 And our loan closing will be $66,000. So that's where we come up with that $4.9 million figure. I want to share with you a couple of the drivers. Because, again, that has risen a bit. So I want to describe to you a couple of the drivers that play into that. One of the big drivers of that price has been the site work and the infrastructure at $1.5 million. On a percentage basis, the site work has increased 35% of the original amount with the work that is absolutely necessary in order for us to build on that property. Remember, we had an unbuildable piece of property until we were able to bring in the right kind of infrastructure and that price has risen on us. That's one of the drivers. The other driver has been the building itself. So think about this. 2015 and 2016 were very productive years for us as a church. We really grew in attendance. And as a result, we made the choice during that time frame to expand the footprint of the building by 800 square feet per floor or a total of 1,600 square feet, which gives us the 18,939 square feet. One of the main things that did for us was expand our seating capacity. It also expanded children's space a bit as well, but we were really looking into that seating capacity. Before the expansion, we were only able to seat 350 in the auditorium. And we became uncomfortable with that due to our growth trends and what we were seeing and what God was doing and how the hand of God was upon us. And more and more people kept coming to Valley Point. We were sensing that 350 was just not enough. And we became uncomfortable with that and knew the most cost-effective way to increase that was before construction. So we let the building grow to fit inside the raised funds and the commitments, and that added an additional $200,000 to our price. On a percentage basis, the building has increased 30% of the original price. So those are the two drivers of that price. Site work and infrastructure and the building itself and our desire to expand it to accommodate what we sense God is doing here. I will say that the price has been one of the biggest challenges in this process. And I think most of us can understand that. In a project this size, there are many moving pieces from requirements for building to desires that we have to build something that will accommodate who is walking through the doors to recognizing that we have a responsibility to be wise with our planning, recognizing what we have and what we might be able to do. This has been a challenge. It really has been. And I anticipate that there will be a few more challenges in the days to come. This journey has reminded me of the tension 
of wise planning and faith steps. Wise planning and faith steps. And there's a tension between those two things. So often we have lived in the lane of wise planning. Here's how much money we have. Here's how much we're raising. Here's how much we're saving. We need to be wise with our planning. And then you sense what God is doing and how we're growing. And you recognize, you know what? We have been wise with our planning, but now maybe it's time to take a faith step and to recognize that we need to move out and we're going to trust that God's going to meet us on the other side. And that can be a very scary thing. So we've tried to balance that. And there's a tension there between wise planning with numbers and data and stats and also recognizing that we had a red seed across. And God has brought us through along the way We trust God while continuing to plan. We need both of those things, and I believe that tension is good. Now, that brings us to this question. It's a big number. Can we actually afford that? And the short answer is yes. Let me unpack that. Here's why we can afford this. We have prudently maintained conservative spending and kept a level approach to operating expenses in 2016. We worked hard at that, and we've done that this year as well, as we have made plans for adjusting to variables that we anticipated during the planning stages, such as a delay in construction. So we would love to have been under construction a lot sooner. Uh, It didn't happen, so there was a delay in construction. We had to anticipate that, as well as rising interest rates, and changes to the building costs. Here's some good news. Our projected pre-mortgage net giving, which is tithes and offerings minus operational and ministry expenses. That's what that represents. So our projected pre-mortgage net giving, tithes and offerings minus operational and ministry expenses, exceeds our mortgage principal and interest payments by 25% next year, and growing into years projected through 2021. We've had a great team that has modeled all of this out for us in, I believe, a very conservative way. And so the good news is our net giving exceeds our mortgage principal and interest by 25% next year. And again, that grows in years to come. Yeah, it's great news. It is. Now, here's what that does. This allows for flexibility in the event of further interest rate increases or operating expense increases, which no doubt will happen. I believe this also allows for flexibility to increase our level of ministry and community outreach as our finances stabilize. So one of the great concerns when you step into a big project like this is that there's a lot of money that goes towards this future home. And the concern is that begins to drain your ministry Budget, and you don't have the ability to reach into the community as you once did. And that's been a concern for us because that's our DNA. That's what we do as a church. And so we have worked hard to say we can't let that happen. We can't stop being Valley Point Church or the rest of it isn't going to work anyway. So we're working hard to maintain these things. And again, our budgeting and our planning has created this type of flexibility. It's also important to remember that in 2014, we had commitments of $500,000 more than our goal. And if you were here in March of 2014, and you remember that, that was a big win for us, a real God moment where we sense, you know what? Man, we thought 
raising, uh, the amount we were trying to raise was really scary. We not only raised that in commitments, we went a half a million beyond that. And that's when we really sensed, you know, God is with us. And that has allowed us to increase the amount we could finance, which enabled us to build a larger platform for which to serve our community. Here's the other good news. Since 2014, we have saved $417,000 as a church. That's been our savings toward our real home. The savings was initiated to help us become disciplined in preparation for our future mortgage. Our savings have been incorporated into our loan model. And here's what that savings has done. It has given our financial team a sense of confidence in our plan as well as WSFS, our loan institution. The combination of the success of our campaign, exceeding that by half a million dollars, and our savings has enabled us not to limit the size of the building to what we originally thought that we could afford. Okay? Now, how are we doing on campaign commitments? Again, we started a three-year campaign in March of 2014. This month really ends that campaign, and we're excited about that. And some of you have been a part of that journey the whole time. There's a graph that you will see on the screen that shows we had three-year commitments of $1.7 million. Let me back up and say our original goal was $1.2 million. That's what we thought we could effectively raise. So when March 2014 rolled around and people gave their commitments, we exceeded that by half a million dollars. That's that $1.7 million figure you see. To date, we have raised $1.4. The gap between $1.4 and $1.7, approximately $300,000 and a little bit of change there represents what we would have if all commitments were made. So it's really valuable for us to fulfill our commitments as that really keeps our vision moving forward. So that's how we're doing on our campaign today. One of the things that I'm really encouraged with as I think back to that day is we only thought we were going to be able to raise one2 To date, we've actually exceeded that by a couple hundred thousand dollars, which again has enabled this project to keep moving forward. There is a gap there on what we did commit, but I'm praying that we see that gap closed in the days ahead. So that's how we're doing on our campaign commitments. What if I can't fulfill my commitment? It's a great question. I think the reality is we're relying on each other to meet our commitments, and that's what is making this possible. I think the other reality is, though, that some of us may not be able to follow through on that commitment we made in 2014 for a variety of reasons. The window for giving will remain open. And I would encourage everyone who made a pledge to work really hard to fulfill that. And for those who have fulfilled their commitment, I would encourage you to consider continuing to give, even though You've already fulfilled your commitment, and I know that's a great feeling, and you're probably loving that. I would encourage you to prayerfully consider continuing to give, as that also will carry the vision forward. Can I keep giving to Real Home after March 2017? So we started this three-year campaign in 2014. Again, we're thinking, so now what? Here we are. The campaign is ending 
towards the end of our month here. Can I keep giving to Real Home after all of this? And the answer is absolutely. And I would encourage you to consider doing that so we can step into our future Real Home and into the end of this year when we occupy the building, God willing, and into 2018 with a lot of financial strength. All right, I want to encourage you to check out myrealhome.org. We have a website dedicated to our future home. There you will be able to see a ton of pictures. If you didn't get the chance to really dive into that, you can go to myrealhome.org. You can check out the pictures, all of these FAQs. You can download with the answers. You can take care of that there as well as other updates. We're trying to update that weekly, especially now that we're in construction to let you know here's what's happening and here's the earth moving machines and it's just kind of fun right now. So check out myrealhome.org. Also like our Facebook page because these things are linked together and you'll be able to get all of the latest information there. We also have a display in the lobby and that has the blueprints. So if you want to check out floor plan, you can do that right out in the lobby. You can also pick up the FAQs at Just For You if you would like a printed version of that today. All of that is available for you. Okay, you've been great. Thank you for listening to all of that information. Take a deep breath. Will you do that? All right. For those of you who have checked out, I want you to perk back up a little bit because I'm going to give three takeaways as we close here. All right? We've had our big idea, interesting ways, unique timing. This is how God works. We looked at Luke chapter 1, and we saw this amazing figure of speech. The hand of God was upon them. People were noticing and I think that's happening here. And we've talked about our building and given a financial update, which again just speaks all of that to the hand of God on us. Let me give you some takeaways. Number one, here's a financial next step. And that is finish strong with commitments. Really want to encourage you to do that. And if you have fallen behind, don't let that bother you. That giving window is open. And again, we're relying on each other to see those commitments come through. So Consider catching up as best as you can. And if you were never a part of Real Home, maybe you're very new to Valley Point, or you weren't a part of what happened at least in March 2014, I would encourage you to prayerfully consider being a part of this and helping us cross the finish line. And we would love for you to be a part of this generous, life-giving movement called Valley Point Church. And that's one of the ways you can do that. So finish strong with commitments. Let's do that. Secondly, prayer next step. Let me give this to you. On April the 30th, we're going to have another corporate prayer gathering on the property. And I'm very excited about this. One of my favorite memories in this whole journey was when we prayed back in the summer. A lot of you were there. Remember, we stood at the edge of the property. Our property and the high school drive, that's where water and sewer was going to enter our property. And and we knew it was coming. And we just had a great time there praying that God would bring it, right? Get it over here. This is what we need in order to make this piece of property work. And we had a wonderful time just gathering corporately together and praying. We're going to do that again on April the 30th. So please save the date. We're going to gather and pray. Here's why we're going to do that. First of all, God invites us to pray, right? We forget about that sometimes, don't we? Which I think is an extraordinary thought. God, inventor, creator, the one who is overall and knows all, he's probably really busy. 
and may not be too worried about our little project in our little corner of the world. But the reality is, I think God is very concerned. And we've already seen him work, so we know he's watching and his hand is upon us. And so this God who sees all and knows all, he invites me to pray to him. That's a crazy thought to me. And that should be crazy to you as well because we know who we are and we know how we fail and fall short, but yet God invites us to pray. So we're going to gather on April the 30th and ask God to continue to just go before us. Prayer has marked our journey. And again, if you haven't been a part of this for very long, you need to know there have been many occasions where we've had to get very low and ask God to help and do what we could not do. I've shared this before, but our piece of property, when we began this whole process in 2014, was unbuildable. We, we could not build a real home on that piece of property. And this is where we stepped out in faith and said, God, we need you to open up the Red Sea. And you've got to give us favor with the authorities, with kings, and with leadership. And you've got to work this out because we have people committing and they're being generous And we believe you want us there on that piece of land. We believe that. But it was not buildable in 2014. It took a long time for that piece of property to become buildable and a tremendous amount of infrastructure, as you have already seen. But God worked all of that out. Prayer has marked our journey. God has appeared for us. And let's not forget that. Like, that should shock us. All right? It should. Prayer has marked our journey. You know, here's what else prayer does. It unites. (laughs) Would you like a little unity in your life? Some togetherness? Some cooperation with anybody? Doesn't that sound great right now? Well, guess what? On April the 30th, we're going to gather on that property, and we're different people. We have different thoughts and desires and goals in life. We look different. We're from different socioeconomic groups. But we get together on that property on April the 30th, and we're just asking God to go before us, right? This is unifying. It's unifying, and I think we could all benefit from that. Prayer gives you a chance, think about this, to involve your family in something spiritual. Parents, have you ever struggled with, how how do I lead my family spiritually? Like, I'm just not sure how to do this. Well, we're going to make it really easy for you, all right? You just bring them all on the 30th, and we're going to gather, and we're going to pray, and your family is going to get the chance to watch God just go before us and make this a reality, and we all have a story to share of God's provision. And you win as a leader. You win as a parent when you help people lead spiritually. And guess what? Prayer works. It works. And if you've ever doubted that, just look to this story. Because again, God did something for us through prayer. We never could have pulled it off on our own. Absolutely impossible. So prayer works. That's our story. Again, remarkable. All right? So that's our prayer next step. You just put it on your calendar. We're going to give you times a little bit later. But that's going to be a great day for us. Here's the final takeaway. It's a practical next step. And that is invite someone to fill the chair next to you. All right, do it now while there's a little more room. (laughs) It's going to get tight in the days to come, and that's fine. That's a great problem. We'll work through that. That'll be no big deal. 
So invite someone to fill that chair next to you. All right, our big idea. God works in interesting ways and with unique timing. He's done that in the past. He's doing that today. And he's doing it through Valley Point Church. And people are noticing. People are noticing that the hand of God is on us. It's here. Will you pray with me? Father, we're really humbled and amazed at some of the things that you are doing. God, it is not a small thing that our church is growing and expanding and we're talking about a future building. And yeah, there's a price tag to it and that price tag is scary and big, but yet you have enabled us to plan wisely while taking some faith steps. And God, we live in the tension of this. It is scary at times. But yet we're trusting that you're going to meet us on the other side because you work in interesting ways and with unique timing. God, we have waited. God, some people in this church have waited a really long time, a lot longer than 12 years to see something happen on that property. And it's not every day you see a a new church built. Just doesn't happen that much. And the waiting is painful, but perhaps in the waiting, even though it's not wanted, it makes the story great because this is what initiates awe. And God, I'm amazed at what you've done to go before us to make this possible. So many hurdles. So many hurdles. And I've never been a part of something like this ever. And so my faith has been stretched. My trust in you has grown. My doubts have been there as well. When I sensed it just was impossible, but yet there you are. And so we trust in you as we continue to move forward, as we fulfill commitments, as we say, so now what? What's next for us? God, we want to do more than just put up a building. It's a building. That's not the end. It's just the beginning. We want people to see the hand of God evident in us, through us, and from that piece of property. God, cause us to be a bright light. Help us to point people to real relationships and real significance. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com and click online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Please reach out to us at prayer at valleypointchurch.com.